Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. So hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Another week, another episode of the show, another Legendary Leaders to share his story in this case and to share his insights into self-coaching. You may remember that I published an episode on coaching yourself back in September. It was episode 48, I believe. And I highlighted why self-coaching can be really powerful, what process to follow to make it that way, and how we can really help ourselves in our daily lives as to whether it's professional or our personal life. It doesn't really matter. Mike approached me a couple of weeks later and said, hey, I listened to your show. I want to talk about a different approach to self self-coaching and the future really lies in self-coaching. There is a lot we can do to raise awareness around the world. Do you want to help me with it? And I immediately said, yes, of course. We had a great chat and he introduced his model to me, which is all about understanding your self-limiting behaviors and your self-limiting stories. We would also call them self-limiting beliefs. These are facts that are in our head and in our minds, but they may not be true, but we tell ourselves these stories and create those facts for some reasons. Those reasons can be different to different people, obviously. The question is, if we want to change the way we lead others and we lead ourselves, how can we change those stories? What can we do differently in order to remove those facts that we embraced over years and years? And how can we experiment a little bit more with new realities so that we achieve the goals we really want to achieve and so that we become the best version of ourselves? And that is really what it is about, raising awareness and making sure that we are able to support ourselves. And that's what Mike is helping individuals and teams and organizations with, but also outside of organizations. And he has created a fantastic program that's called Coach Yourself Up. Uh, he has written a book about it as well. So feel free to go onto his website to start reading the book. Uh, he's giving a few chapters away there and to really start understanding what he's got to offer. Mike has obviously his own experience in organizations. He is not just an author, he's also an executive coach, he's a leadership trainer, and he's got 25 years of corporate careers in his pockets. That includes running a global learning and development department in organizations, for example, in eBay and Service Source. And today he's here to share insights into his program, share insights into a different approach to coaching yourself, but also also share his own story about what made him become the person he is today and what made him create this and find the purpose he's following to raise more self-awareness across the globe. And all this he's going to share with us today. And I can't wait to share this story and this episode with you. Enjoy the show. And I speak to you again in a moment. So hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders today with another Legendary Leader, and that is Mike Norman. Hello, Mike. Hey, Kathleen. How are you? 
I am very, very well. I said to you, right, I had a really good and productive day, despite the fact that I have a very young baby at home. But um, yeah, in a very good mood today and very excited about chatting to you about self-coaching and coaching ourselves up as well today. Before we do that, how are you doing? I'm doing great as well. You've had a long day already. For me, it's morning because I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we're on a bit of a time difference. Yeah. But yes, we, I am. I am a, what do they say? Bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to go. <laughs> he indeed is. And to all of our listeners, I don't know how you are feeling about Mike's voice, but I think this is just the most incredible podcast radio voice we have ever had here on the show. <laughs> My apologies to all previous guests, but it is simply the truth. I'm pretty sure only for these reasons, you will enjoy the show today. But let's talk about self-coaching a little bit more. That is something you and I have in common among so many other pieces. And you actually approached me a few weeks ago saying, man, I listened to your show about coaching yourself. I have a slightly different approach, but I would love to talk about it. And you immediately caught my interest because there are different approaches and coaching yourself is not an easy thing. So it's really important to hear about a different style, a different view to self-coaching. And that is really what we're going to do today. But first of all, share a little bit about what you're doing, how you're helping people with the self-coaching approach. Yeah, that's great, Kathleen. And I, and I love the way you acknowledge that mine is different than yours. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed, Kathleen, that over time, there will be myriad flavors of self-coaching, right? But this idea that we can work with and work on ourselves, I think, is something that will continue to gain traction. Yeah. And for me... I guess my definition or the way that I talk about self-coaching, having listened to how you define it for you, I'm, I'm more narrow. And, and so I'm using the ideas of self-coaching to help people drive sustainable behavior change. And so identifying some, I call it self-limiting behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. We all get in our way. Yeah. We all do things, whether we are aware of them or not, that have, you know, often unintended consequences and the ability to, to change those behaviors is what I am, am helping people do. And, and so just for example, a self-limiting behavior around, I don't speak up at meetings or I'm easily distracted or I can't say no when people ask me, you know, to take on more work, mm -hmm. right? Those are just a couple of examples of, of the types of self-learning behaviors I'm thinking of. And as I'm thinking here, you know, you're targeting your, your leaders in the audience, things like I don't effectively delegate or I'm not giving people ongoing feedback, right? Things like that, where our behavior is not helping us move forward, if you will. Yeah. And that is just something that happens 24 seven that our behaviors may get in our ways, right? Mm -hmm. What was your transformation to become aware of your self-limiting behaviors and beliefs that actually got you to where you are today? So about 10 years ago, I had a number of things happen in my personal life that really shook me pretty well, including losing my mom, who I was quite close to. Mm. And that led me to take 
what I thought was going to be a few months break to recharge my batteries. And that ended up Kathleen turning into a year and I ended up, and this wasn't planned at the beginning, but I ended up doing a ton of personal growth work. I read books, I took classes, I, I joined a men's group and I started to think about going out on my own, mm -hmm. right? I had spent 25 years in a variety of corporate roles and the thing was, when I thought about going out on my own, I said, well, I can't do that because it's too risky and I don't take risks, yeah. right? And so you asked about, you know, a mindset or a story that got in my way. Well, what was interesting is at one of these classes I took, the instructor at that time, I thought had the gall <laughs> to tell me that not being a risk taker, that's a story, young man. <laughs> And, and I thought, who is this person to tell me that that's a story when I know it's true? Mm. Well, I started playing with, you know, what if this wasn't true? Yeah. Right. What if I am making this up? What if it is something that is not a fact? And so I started to experiment with taking small risks and started to give my brain some examples of, hey, you are taking a risk and it is okay. That was when I was 47 years old, right? So at the age of 47, I had lived my life with the fact that I'm not a risk taker. And in a short period of six months, sort of turned that completely upside down, went out on my own, and ultimately realized in hindsight, Kathleen, back to the original topic here, that the process I had undertaken to, to move through that story was, was coaching. I coached myself. <sighs> and when I shared that with other people, there was a lot of excitement around, hey, you need to share this with others. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led me to the creation of what is now Coach Yourself Up, which morphed from a classroom training program to a book to now a very high quality online learning experience. Thanks, first of all, for sharing that. And I would say, or throw out the assumption that the majority, if not all of coaches, people in the learning space have gotten to where they are because at some point there were some very personal, professional challenges that got in their ways and they overcame somehow. And the learning takes them onto a path where they say, I'm going to do something with it. So I find that always very interesting and and in all honesty it created goosebumps for me just to hear again that someone is going through this transformation and just taking charge of your future at this point of time 10 years ago however yeah, if i if i may and i sorry sure. I, I know i just interrupted you um bad form but your comments when you talk about you know changing the future mm. you know one of the phrases i use in in my work is this idea of bending your future and, you know, if you think about a trajectory of your career or your life, you know, with time on the horizontal axis and mm. potential realized on the vertical yeah. by making some of these small shifts, right? This small shift, which of course is ultimately a large shift when I completely changed my mindset around risk, but that shift completely changed my trajectory. And right. I would not be here on the phone with you today had I not broken through that story, I would have been living a very different life and frankly, one where my potential was not being realized so fully. It brings up so many questions for me. Well, let's start with the one at the beginning. 
it sounded quite easy the way you described your transformation. Mm. You know, you have personal challenges, you lose someone you love dearly, which which hit a lot of people, if not all, very, very hard. So I cannot imagine that it was an easy process, but yet you made it happen. And I wonder what got you onto this path where you said, okay, I'm actually joining the groups. I'm actually going to read more. I'm actually going to learn. What was the process there or the motivation? Or maybe there was a person who's, who helped you get to that point to really step into your own development space. You know, it's hard to put a finger on exactly one thing, but sort of a one thing led to another. Like somebody might say, hey, you might enjoy this particular book, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'd read the book and, yeah. you know, maybe it was Deepak Chopra, maybe it was Wayne Dyer, you know, and like, oh, that's really interesting. And then, oh, if you like that book, you might like this book. So I started getting more into the content. And I think a lot of those books really encourage you a lot of reflection Right. And to really start thinking about, you know, what are you doing with your life? Are there any particular areas where you're feeling either stuck or like you're in your way? And if so, like take proactive steps to to make some shifts in those arenas. And I do think there was at some point this awareness I had of, wow, me not taking risks is holding me back. Mm. So I can choose to believe the story. <laughs> I can choose to believe that that's a, a fact about me and just give up. Or I could take some steps to experiment with the possibility that this might not be as real as I think it is. And pulling me forward is like, wow, imagine the better self I could be mm. if I felt more freedom around taking risks. Mm -hmm. and, and, to, and, and to be clear, this is not about me jumping out of airplanes, mm -hmm. right? Like I still have a line in the sand where <laughs> eh, I don't need to do that, right? Like it's great. And I love that people do, but um, no, but, but when something risky comes up now, I can, instead of immediately, as I used to do, say, nope, can't do it because it's risky. I can now say, oh, there you go. You're about to follow that old mindset. Yeah. So let's step back, assess the risk and decide, is this one worth taking? Yeah. Does it pull you forward toward achieving the things you're trying to achieve in your life? Which requires courage as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there are uh, many people out there who know they may be getting in their own way but they are not going to do anything about it for all sorts of valid reasons in their, their world. And you said, I'm going to do that. And you mentioned you started taking small calculated risks. You right. experimented a little bit with it. What else did you do? How did the whole situation evolve to get to the stage where you say, yeah, I'm now really cool about making the decision as to whether I want to take a risk. There's a couple of things that I would say, first of all, I am an engineer by schooling. Mm -hmm. And so I am really big on process and checklists and, you know, give me the steps. What are the steps? And so instead of an arm waving, like, hey, you should go work on changing your behavior. I wanted to, to create something that was very linear, if yeah. you will. And again, while I was doing this, I wasn't following a checklist, but in hindsight, as I look back, I was then able to say, oh, here's the steps that I took. And so the word experiment, which we've used a few times is really important. Mm 
the idea that I'm going to experiment with taking a risk. You know, if we think about a scientist, whenever they do an experiment, there is no failure. The result of the experiment may not lead to the outcome that was desired, but it's data, it's yeah. information, it's, it's right. So, so the idea of being emotionally attached to that is lower. And so when we're doing, working on ourselves, if we can hold these actions as experiments, right, then it's much less likely that we're going to judge ourselves if they don't work out the way we hope they would. Mm. Right. And so even just having the mindset around I'm treating this as an experiment, I think makes it more likely that a person will try it. And so the other thing I would layer on top of that is I have what I call the experimentation staircase. And the idea there being that not all situations are created equal. So if we take a leader who has a self-limiting behavior around not delegating, and I'm sure you've worked with clients, you know, that have had to work through that particular issue. Absolutely. Let's say they identify the story underneath is the quality of this outcome will not be to the level I demand if I let somebody else take it, which again, may feel like a fact to a person. And we're asking the person to be open to the possibility that's not a fact. Maybe that's a story. And so if, if that person then says, you know what? Yeah, I'm ready to try to start experimenting with delegation. Well, this idea of the experimentation staircase says, don't take your biggest, highest profile, most important project and give it away, right? I would call that high stakes. Mm -hmm. Look for when we're starting low stakes, mm -hmm. where are the low stakes opportunities to start to delegate? And what happens is in theory and in most cases, I start to see that when I'm delegating, the quality is okay. It is fine. And so my story starts to shift, which allows me to climb that staircase such that at some point I'm ready to delegate my highest profile project, but be savvy about how you start your experiments. So here's the thing. We're talking about the self-limiting stories, self-limiting behaviors. I would add to it the self-limiting beliefs that go in line with the stories. And they are not always really obvious to us. They might need to be called out either by ourselves or by someone else who helps us here along the way. Right. Quite often, they are also difficult to get out of the way. Yeah. Because it might be something that's innate. It might be something we have been raised with that, you know, comes from all of our cultural conditioning and so on and so forth. So what I wonder is, sticking to this example of delegation, if you have a leader who struggles with delegation, together you identify that it is a story and you cannot delegate a certain task to others. Quite often there's an underlying belief there's something that triggered this kind of story to build up. How can someone in self-coaching remove this belief and really understand where does it come from? Am I trying to protect myself in particular with regards to being recognized, for example, having difficulties to pass something on because you want to see, uh, be seen as the one who has done a great job and so on and so forth. So there could be various reasons. 
So coming back to the question, how can someone through self-coaching really, really get to the deep origin and foundation of that story? Yeah, that's interesting question. Yeah, this idea that we have, you know, these layers of of stories, if you will. Mm. And and I, just so you know, Kathleen, my syntax is that I I use the word stories interchangeably with beliefs. Mm. So I I do consider these deep stories to be self-limiting beliefs. And in the example you just gave, first of all, I would be working with the person to challenge their story around their inability to give things away because of the the need for a high quality bar, right? If that person started challenging that story and unveiled a deeper story, your example around, you know, needing to be in the limelight or wanting to make sure they're getting the credit, I would shift gears and start having them work on that story. Mm -hmm. I'm less interested in helping them find the source of where that story came from. If the story exists for them, I want to help them challenge it so that they can come to their own conclusion on whether or not it's really a fact because we operate as if these deep stories, self-limiting beliefs are facts. And my hypothesis is that most, if not all of them are not, Yeah. right? That they are things, as you say, that may have been planted with us in our childhood. Yeah. Like for me, going back to, I'm not a risk taker. I'm not sure where that was planted, but it, it was real. And so I do have a series of particular questions that I have people use to challenge their stories. And so, yeah, if a deeper story emerges than the one that we're current, that that we're presently focused on, I would just shift my focus to have them start challenging that story. I'm naturally, as you are, a very curious person. And from my own experience, and that's how I got into coaching myself, it made it really powerful for me to understand where certain self-limiting behaviors came from and self-limiting stories as well, in order to remove guilt. Mm. I had behaviors I, thank God, received feedback on from former managers, for example, friends and so on, who were really honest with me. And that made me think that opened my eyes to something needs to be done. I kind of need to change some aspects here. But only when I could dive into, okay, where did it come from? And that was a combination of coaching and therapy. I could remove this, oh my God, I'm a bad person. Oh, I'm doing things the wrong way. I I had an explanation which helped me move on. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the therapy. I also am a product of coaching and therapy. Mm. Have been through both and I and I do think there there are times that I'm working with a client when it becomes clear that they are very interested in more deeply understanding the source, right? And where these things came from yeah. and in those cases, right? That starts to leave my realm of expertise. And I have had clients that I would encourage to go do some work with a therapist. And I've had two clients recently that were in therapy and coaching at the same time Mm -hmm. and brought into our conversations, Hey, I was talking with my therapist about this and da, da, da. And and that's great. Right. But, but it is not my place. I feel my place or strength to go back into the past and dig around. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So let's move back to the self-coaching approach, though. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic that people have someone like you to support them along the way. But something you said to me in our pre-conversation um, was self-coaching will become even stronger and more important in the near future. Yes. It's something that loads of people will value from and will need. Why is that? Why do you believe it is going to be so important? For me, it comes back to self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've said it yet, but my current purpose is to raise self-awareness in the world to help as many people as possible achieve more of their potential. And when I think about what I learned about myself in my late 40s, and here I was somebody who was a learning and development professional for 15 years, and I thought I was really self-aware. And in some levels, I was self-aware, but there was so much I wasn't aware of. And the transformation, right, that I went through as I started to bust through some of these limiting stories that I had was so powerful. And I had this thought like, wow, like how cool would that have been to maybe have had that experience 10 or even 20 years earlier mm -hmm. in my life? And that's where this idea came to me around. I want to bring this idea of self-coaching to the world, my flavor of it and be part of this movement that I think is taking place around consciousness building. I'm not sure if you're familiar with conscious capitalism or social capitalism, or there's, there's all these different movements that are taking place, deliberately developmental organizations, right? Where more and more people are saying, hey, like business should be not just about making money and making a profit, right? There should be a focus on community. There should be a focus on environment. There should be a focus on helping their employees become better people, right? Not just better employees, but how can mm -hmm. we, how can we support the personal growth of the people that work here? And my sense is, and I'm not sure if you see this as well, but certainly the younger generations that I'm interacting with are very interested in learning more about themselves mm -hmm. and raising self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's a, it's inevitable that there's going to be a push. And, and for me, a big part of this is going to be corporate, right? It's going to be businesses that, and, and I'm sure you've heard, right? Many, many companies are trying to build coaching cultures, yeah. right? And at least from my experience, the investments are primarily targeted at leaders, helping leaders become better coaches, giving leaders access to coaches. But when you get to the thousands and thousands and thousands of frontline employees out there across corporations, I don't think we've yet figured out a real scalable way to allow every single one of them to have the benefit of working with a coach. And so for me, this idea of self-coaching becomes a way that you can at least inject a lot of the goodness that comes from working with a coach into a, a broader population. And I think as it starts to happen, the word will spread and, and this, will, this will just start to snowball, if you will. So that's my belief. <laughs> and I would, I would love to see that development happen. I think to add to what you just said, coaching is something incredibly powerful. And I wouldn't be a coach if I wouldn't believe in it. 
I do believe, however, that it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Or not for everyone at uh, the same time. You may have certain times in your life when it is simply more useful to you. And the key is that, and it applies to so many other changes and movements that we are experiencing in the world, diversity and inclusion is one of them. It has to become a natural want. Let's not call it create a coaching culture. And that's my very personal belief. And let's uh, implement it into businesses. It has to be wanted. It has to almost come from the individuals who say, hey, I'm curious about it. I want to do more about it. I want to give back through coaching. And I see the power of it. And then slowly but surely, as you said, create a snowball effect where more and more people understand the benefits of it, where they build communities around that and really make it even more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and And if I may, we share a very strong philosophy there. Kathleen, because I'm really adamant when talking to prospective clients about rolling out my, you know, online program Mm. uh, internally, I make it really clear this needs to be an opt-in program. Yeah. The last thing you want is to put somebody into this program that doesn't want to do this. And to your point, we're not all ready for this and it's no judgment, right? Like, my experience and what I hear from, from others is sometimes the people that most need more self-awareness are the ones that already believe they are fully self-aware. Mm. <laughs> we do hear some, some stories of, oh, I really wish we could get Jim, or I really wish we could get Sally to take this because they could yeah. really use it. Um, <laughs> but you can't, you can't force somebody into no. this kind of work. And, and the idea would be that as, as people go through it and then they tell their friends like, wow, that was amazing. It was such a cool experience. And then some of the skeptics might start and eventually you might get to some of the folks that really thought they would never want to do something like this. The other thing I want to pick up on from your comment, I'm also very moved by the whole DEI emphasis that is emerging today, social justice, et cetera. And I've read recently some work. There's a woman at the University of Wisconsin, Madison, who's been looking at this for 10 or 20 years. And her findings are that discrimination and prejudice are behavioral. And so the light bulb went on for me, which is, oh, I have a behavior change model, right? Like my self-coaching is about behavior change. And so we're playing around right now, Kathleen, with this idea of can we hook up this particular, you know, a behavior change model, in this case, coach yourself up on the back end of some of the diversity training that helps raise awareness to people on, hey, you're doing this or you're doing that and that's not great. So go ahead and change. And I I think a lot of people like, okay, but how? Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, one, one how is let's, let's go through this methodical checklist approach of self-coaching to really start paying attention to that behavior, start getting underneath what's the mindset that's behind it, and then to start to turn around and start to experiment, right, with our staircase on starting to try to act differently and see if that might start to shift some of our mindset. Mm, yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. It is pretty exciting. And again, you give people a vision. What can be different, you know, once you have gone through that process? How will life be even more meaningful? And I'm curious to hear all the other benefits that you see. So what's the feedback you receive from your clients? What are the behaviors you see shifting? Give us a few examples. Yeah, sure. One of the themes that 
we've seen emerge lately is this idea, for lack of a better term, of changing the unchangeable. And I, I get comments from people who say, one of the coolest things this program taught me is that these things about myself that I thought were just attributes, factual attributes, are in fact things that I can change. Mm -hmm. And one that pops up a lot. So part of my self-coaching model, there's, there's a fairly deep dive on managing attention and being present. And so we do have a number of people working on their attention, their focus, and hear from a lot of people that their ability to be present has increased dramatically through, through this particular work. Another behavior that is fairly common, I think I may have mentioned it near the beginning, a lot of people have the inability to say no, right? And so end up maybe working longer hours than they really feel like they want to. But again, there's some reason that they say, I can't say no. Yeah. And when they start challenging that belief and start to experiment with saying no in, in places and get away with it, if you will, that would be their, oh, I got away with it. But you know, managing boundaries, right? And so your, your idea of looking forward, you know, what does it look like if I can start saying no in certain cases? It doesn't mean I'm going to turn into a no machine. <laughs> Can't do that. But there are certain things if I say no, I want to better manage my boundaries. And so yeah. that vision of being a good boundary manager can pull people forward to that. So those are a handful of things that I see. And I'm loving what I'm hearing. And it kind of made me think about a bit of feedback I received lately. I spoke to a few friends of mine, former colleagues and clients uh, who are in different organizations. And one of the key common theme that all shared with me was, I feel the world has accelerated. We are moving into a space that doesn't feel fresh. Despite the fact that we are in 2021, it feels like just 2020 is going on and on and on. It feels harder and harder. We are switched on and we are expected to be switched on 24-7. I feel exhausted. I have so much responsibility, I don't know when to stop. So now we are talking about self-coaching and uh, you mentioned it a few times, self-awareness is important. You mentioned presence just now, being more present. That requires to step back and to reflect also quite frequently to be able to listen, to be able to simply be. How does that work in a world where quite a few people, at least in my world, say, my goodness, I don't know where to start and where to stop. It's just the world feels crazy. For me, I think I keep coming back to the basics and you mentioned it, right? This, um, first of all, Becoming more effective at attention management, I think, can really help with handling lots of the distractions. I think there's people are dealing with a lot of things coming at them, whether it's, you know, the kids are at home. And again, I've, I've heard from people, as, as you're suggesting, that when they used to go to work, right, they used to go to the office. And, and sure, some of them had to bring home work with them, et cetera. Yeah. But there was more of a natural divider between I'm at work or I'm at home. And now I'm just at work home all the time. Yeah. And so I do think that sometimes in these cases, people are creating some of the additional stress and choosing, right? We always have a choice and sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But if I choose to be looking at emails at 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 
yeah, that's a choice I've made. And it may be based on some stories that I've made up that people mm -hmm. expect me to be online. And it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy because, mm -hmm. oh yeah, my boss responded at 930. Well, mm -hmm your boss wouldn't have responded at 9.30 if you hadn't responded at nine. Yeah. Now, I can't tell you if your boss would have been upset that he, he or she didn't hear from you that evening, but I could tell you, try experimenting with like not looking at your email after 9 p.m. and see what happens. And you might be surprised. Yeah. Right. So I, I do think there's always room. And again, I can almost feel it Kathleen, when you said, you know, when you can hear the client go, yeah, but I just can't, like, I can't turn it off. And it's like, okay, deep breath. How would we experiment with quote unquote, turning it off yeah. in a way that feels safe? Yeah. And may I invite the listeners who feel like, oh my God, that's me to experiment with it. And one thing I want to share with you is it actually has been my own experience when I was in a leadership role in corporate and I did exactly what Mike just mentioned. I experimented with it and I was someone who responded literally 24-7 to emails and I didn't. I stopped. I made one big mistake. I didn't let my stakeholders know before and only afterwards, which was a learning. But because I stopped and I could be more present and I was calmer in myself, I was perceived as a better leader hmm. because I was listening, but I was more present. People were kind of coming to me and um, wanted to have a conversation with me because they felt they could. They were in a space where they were unable to open up and to share and to become better versions of themselves. So it, it can have a hugely positive effect. So experiment with it and really enjoy the ride would be my, uh, my recommendation here. So tell us a little bit about your program. You have mentioned a few bits and bobs here mm -hmm. and there already, but it would be fantastic to hear more about it. And also, where can people find out more about the program? Yeah, thanks. I created the classroom program. It was a series of two-hour workshops on an every other week basis for four sessions. I then created so that the book, Coach Yourself Up, mm -hmm. is essentially the training program put into book form. There are actually some weeks in the, it, there are some chapters in the book that say, hey, put down the book for a week and go do the things that we've been talking about. Go start managing your attention, right? Go start playing around with that. Go start experimenting with new behaviors where, wherever you are in the process. Now, the online learning, really cool experience. It's a, I've, I've partnered with a e-learning company that has, um, they call it a community learning system. And so the public programs are, it's a combination. We call it instructor-led, but it's much of it is on-demand, Mike Norman on video, working through the content that you can access anytime, anywhere, journaling on, you know, a personal journal online, community chat. We have an ability for you to be in an accountability team with other people if you choose to do that. And then during the, the six-week program online, of which people are going to spend... 60 to 90 minutes a week. You know, that's about what you would imagine you'd invest in this. We have three live calls. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. spread out across the six weeks that, you know, we get together, I'm online, or if it's a different facilitator so far, it's all Mike Norman, but we are envisioning someday this being more than I can handle. And yeah, it's, it's working through attention management. It's learning the self-coaching path. We have a list of 20 or 40 common self-limiting behaviors, right? So if you're like, I don't know, there's a list for you to look at. We encourage you to solicit feedback, as you mentioned earlier, from people around you. We expose you to another list of 20 or 30 common deep stories or self-limiting beliefs. And we ask each person to choose one self-limiting behavior to work on. So you're not just learning theory, you are, but you're applying it. And I call it like pulling the thread. And so by the time you're done with the six weeks, in theory, you won't have shifted your behavior yet because you're still early in the process, but you'll have all the tools and you'll have started to make some progress. Mm -hmm. And we're getting just phenomenal positive feedback, Kathleen. Wonderful. And you offer it to people in organizations and outside of organizations or what's the kind of clientele? Yeah. So we are offering a public program three, four times a year Mm -hmm. so that individuals who are interested in attending the program can attend. It also is a great way for companies, if they're not sure they want to dive in in a big way, hey, let's put five people in the public program and get their feedback We also will go direct to companies and say, hey, if you want to do your own internal groups in-house, we can support that. So we do both. But I would say that in the public programs, you're going to have a mix of individuals and some folks who might be more in the corporate space who are taking it on behalf of a potential future prospect. Fantastic. Yeah. So you had asked about how your listeners could find out more about this. And the best way for them to do that, Kathleen, would be to go to my website, which is coachyourselfup.com. And on there, there's a couple of things I would point out. One is there is a link to the e-learning program that you can go find out all that you would like to find out about that. And and it's actually pretty neat. There's like four or five sample videos on there. You can actually see some of the course content Mm -hmm. and you can see the entire course outline And we're offering a 10% discount code to your listeners. And the code, easy to remember, is Mike. And so you won't see that till sort of toward the end of the checkout process. But when you get to that point, Mike will get you a 10% discount on the next upcoming public cohort. And then you can also scroll further down on the website and there will be a place for you to share your email address and get the... Uh, beginning pages of the book, a free copy up through chapter one. And so that's something else that I think your listeners might be interested in, in seeing. There's clearly no excuse for the listeners not to start stepping into their own self-coaching journey and really start their developmental path here. Thank you so much for being so generous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am doing this to raise self-awareness in the world. And, you know, one of the other things that I would share is we're envisioning going down, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Tom's Shoes business model, where I believe it's a Rhode Island, it's, it's a Northeast American company that many, many years ago started doing business that for every pair of shoes that somebody buys of Tom shoes, Mm. Tom shoes sends a pair of shoes to some, you know, underprivileged child 
somewhere in the world. And we are building up an infrastructure that will allow us that as corporations and individuals purchase licenses for our program, that for every X number of licenses that are sold, we are going to make a free license available to somebody in an underprivileged community. And so this is just about how can we help as many people as possible start to see where they get in their own way and bust through that and and bend their future accordingly. Very exciting. It is very exciting. And that's pure leadership. Thank you so much, Mike, not just for being an incredibly amazing, interesting, and inspirational guest, but also to be a real, real legendary leader yourself. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on, Kathleen. Thank you. Wonderful. So you have heard even more about coaching yourself, coaching in general, but, but simply about how can we shift our limiting behaviors and stories going forward. So what we are going to invite you is to become more self-aware, to step back, to listen a little bit more to your inner voices, take feedback on board, but in particular, give yourself space and time to reflect, to simply be and to enjoy yourself and your own development and transformation more and more. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week and I can't wait to speak to you again next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.